Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. You're such a liar. You're a big, fat, hairy liar. And I mean that sincerely. I've never seen such lies pour out of the mouth of somebody. And I've been keeping a close eye on you. I'm Jim Burns. Now, if you're a parent, some would call you a liar. Of course, the reason I can say that is because at some point in the parenting journey, every parent lies to their children. Let me explain that. Now, keep in mind that most of us really do have the best intentions when we wind up lying to our children. We don't want to hurt them. We would never dream of leading them astray. But the fact is, sometimes the truth about their particular situation isn't exactly pleasant. And so we bend it a bit or soften the blow. Well, Chuck Borsellino is on a mission to help us parents stop lying once and for all. And during the next half hour, we're going to talk about some of the outrageous lies we tell our kids and why it's so important for us as parents to stop telling them. So if you are like me and you found yourself telling your kids that you can be anything you want to be or it's the thought that counts, stay with us. We're going to talk about why getting real with your kids is what they want and what they need most from us. Homeward starts right now. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert, Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. During the next half hour, we're going to get real. We're going to get very, very honest. We're going to be very, very authentic because let's face it, sometimes as parents, we tell our kids some pretty outrageous lies. And Chuck Borsellino's with us on this program. He's written a book called Pinocchio Parenting. And uh, it's going to help us just kind of shatter those myths once and for all so we can be authentic with our kids because authenticity is such a high, highly valued commodity in the world of young people. Uh, Homeward is here on the air because of your prayers and faithful financial support. Can't do it without you. If you'd like more information about how you can support us financially, call 800 3 And now with part one of today's program, here's Jim. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today is going to be a great day. We're actually talking about outrageous lies we tell our kids. Yes, we do lie to our kids. If you think you don't, then uh, in the next half hour, you'll realize that you do. Because as I started reading a great new book called Pinocchio Parenting, 21 Outrageous Lies We Tell Our Kids, I realized that, hey, there are times when I lie to my kids. And we are so honored to have Chuck Borsellino with us. He is a, a psychologist, clinical psychologist, ordained minister, and host of a great program called At Home Live with Chuck and Jenny. And Chuck, welcome to Homeward. First time we've had you on. Tim, how are you today? I'm very good, and I'm so glad that we can be talking. I realize we're talking over the phone. It's a little colder uh, in your neck of the woods in Texas than it is right here in California today, but uh, I'm glad you're with us. Well, you know what? Give me a couple hours. I'll fly out there. How's that? <laughs> okay. Where well, I understand that also in Texas, give you a couple hours and the weather could change, too. Is that right? <laughs> give, give Texas a couple hours. It could be hotter than California. So <laughs> Anyway, well, it's so good to have you with us, and right. I have said to you off the air, and I've said to others that I appreciate all that you do, and I loved your book. I mentioned to you, but I've, I've said it to many people how much I appreciated your book, but I feel like I'm uh, kind of a little eager tossing questions out to the major league player here as it comes because you do such a great job with your television program as well. Well, you're very kind. We, Our goal is to help parents who are in the trenches who are saying, listen, I'm wrestling with issues just as Jenny and I. My wife and I, we have three kids with three teenagers and we're in the trenches just like everybody else. 
And a degree really doesn't matter. It's a matter of uh, more decision-making, more knowing where we're going, knowing the mistakes that we made, what can we do differently. So our goal is just to help parents who are in the trenches, just like us, do a better job, be the parent we've always dreamed we wanted to be, <laughs> and the spouse we've always dreamed we wanted to be also. That's wonderful. You know, we could say the exact same thing for us as well. And isn't it fascinating? You say you have three teenagers, and I'm kind of just getting past the teenage years with my three daughters, but it's pretty humbling, isn't it, when you're in this work, and yet your teenagers don't think you're as cool as, uh, you know, maybe somebody else. Isn't that true? <laughs> it's great. We we have a we have a daughter, then a son, and a, and a daughter. Our son is 16, and when, uh, you know, when I was younger, I thought I knew everything. And, you know, you come out of graduate school, you think you know everything. Now, when somebody asks me, are you Cody's father? Boy, that is so true. That is that is such a thing. Hey, listen, you've written a great book. It's called Pinocchio Parenting, 21 Outrageous Lies We Tell Our Kids. Do all parents lie to their kids? Yeah, we all do. Uh, myself and you included. Sure. We have a tendency that when our back is against the wall, we as parents somehow reach for these cliches. We reach for these half-truths. We reach for these things that were told to us by our parents, and we kind of hand them to our kids because they pacify. They sound good, and they're kind of like snack food. They, they sound good, and they're somewhat filling until we find out that they're not really nutritionally valuable. And so uh, I lie, you lie, most parents lie. We're all in the same boat together. But one of the things about us lying to our kids, and obviously we do it with the right intentions or high motives, but we still sometimes make a mistake. And one of the things you say at the beginning of your book is really that beliefs determine behavior. Yeah. Talk about that. So true. Um, you know, being in the trenches with, uh, as a psychologist, listening to kids who come to a psychologist's office because of certain behaviors. Uh, and then that's why parents typically bring their kids into the office. They're not doing this. They are doing this. And, and we need to find out, you know, what's behind that. And what I determined very quickly was the behavior typically is not the problem. It's the belief underlying the behavior. So unhealthy behaviors are typically a byproduct of unhealthy beliefs. So when we believe that uh, this is going to go wrong, I'm never going to pass, nobody likes me, I'm too ugly, um, I'll, I'll never measure up, I'm just a failure, I'm just a loser, I'm just too big or too small or too fat or too skinny or too dumb or too slow, well, those are the beliefs that determine the behaviors and the behavioral choices. So I think that the way to, to, to help that is to change the beliefs, you will change the behaviors. That's fascinating. I was thinking of a term back when I was in graduate school where a professor of mine said, you become what you believe yourself yeah. to be. And at first I thought that was kind of a mind over matter thing, but I really do see that that's so correct. Now here's the deal. You have several of these lies that you then kind of write about. And one is a lie that I've told my kids. I remember when they were younger, even before teenage years, I said, you can be anything you want to be. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm telling my daughters, you can, we don't have a woman president, but you can be a woman president if you want. You can do this. And yet what you're saying is in many ways, that's a lie. Well, there's an element of truth and an element of fiction to each one of these. And, and the element of truth is you can do incredible things. And today is an incredible day of opportunity whereby um, you can achieve more than probably the generation before you. And there's more opportunity. Um, and that's all good news. Now, here's the bad news. The bad news is you cannot be anything you want to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I had dreams of being in the NBA uh, I thought, you know, look at the salaries these guys get. You know, they, they're, they're doing incredible, except here's the problem. I'm a short, fat, white guy with no jump shot. <laughs> now, it doesn't matter how much I dreamed it, no matter how much I tried. It's not going to happen. 
Scripture puts it this way. It says, can, can a leopard change its spots? No. And so here's my belief. Yes, you can be something that's incredible, and you can do it in a way that's never been done before. But here's the deal. I don't think just because you dream it, you can do it. And, and I think that what you need to determine is, what are your gifts? What are your skills? What, what has God invested in your life that He has dreamt you to be? Once you determine that, then that's the path to follow, not looking through the sports pages and say, I want to be in the NFL, I want to be in the NBA. Wait a second. That's just not my skill level. And, and oftentimes we point to Michael Jordan. We say, well, remember Michael Jordan, his story, but he got cut in, the, in high school basketball and eventually went on, obviously, to make the high school team and then played at North Carolina, three NBA championships. And we leave it there. We say, see what he did? But here's the truth. The rest of the story is Michael Jordan also had a dream to become a baseball player. And when he left the NBA, he started a two-year journey to be a, a major league baseball player. But he couldn't hit a, a curveball. No matter how gifted he was as, as an athlete, no matter how many coaches he had, he could not make it in baseball. Went back to basketball, played another three years, won three more championships. That's his gifts. Those are his abilities. And I think we need to tell kids, listen, let's find out what your gifts are. Let's find out what your abilities are. Now let's dream what God can do with those. Great, great comment, actually. And that's a great reminder for all of us. Another lie. It's the thought that counts. I mean, I've said that. In fact, I had it in a book that I was writing until, you know, you messed me up here and I had to cross it out because I thought, gosh, I'm going to tell all these people this lie. You know, this is one that I hate to say it, but it's one that was birthed out of my own growing up. Um, grew up in a family. Dad was a welder. Mom never got past the 10th grade. Mom, same thing. Great people, loving parents. But my dad was a great provider, but not a great lover. And every Christmas, he did not buy my mom a Christmas gift and instead relied on my older sister to go out and buy a Christmas gift for him for my mom. And every Christmas time, I would see the embarrassment on her face and I would see her unwrap this package. And while he was a great provider, he never did love her in a way that meant so much to her to just take a few minutes and go out and select something special for her. And my mom would say, that's okay, honey. I know it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. That's okay, honey. I know you love me. But I would see her crushed spirit in the process. You know what? The thought does matter as long as it's followed by action. And you know the old saying that actions speak louder than words? Try getting away with to your producer. I thought about hosting that program or, or uh, to, to a teacher. I thought about doing my homework uh, or to your boss. I thought about writing the report. Or to your wife, I thought about being faithful. I just think that when we excuse behaviors that aren't followed through, I think we set a platform to say, you know what, um, you've lowered the bar too far. I think it is important. The, the thought does count as long as it's followed by actions, because I live in a world where actions speak louder than words. That's a great comment. You know, the scripture even says, little children do not love with just words, but love in deeds and in action and truth. And I think that summarizes. Chuck, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More to come on Homeward. Chuck Borsellino is our guest. Great conversation. Hey, we're going to go with another lie when we come back. God helps those who help themselves. If you said that, well, George Barna says you probably have. 82% of us actually believe that. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. More to come on Homeward. Wow. Uh, isn't it amazing how many kids even stay in church when they've got 
parents like us telling them things like that. <laughs> Today here on the Homeward Broadcast, parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns having a delightful conversation and a pretty honest one with Chuck Borsellino. He's the author of the book, Pinocchio Parenting. We're talking about outrageous lies we tell our kids. If you want more information on Chuck's ministry, just go to homeward.com. We've got information for you there. And we're always streaming audio at homeward.com as well. Okay, let's get back into it now. The conclusion of today's edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Here once again, Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Chuck Borsellino with us. He's written the book called Pinocchio Parenting, 21 Outrageous Lies We Tell Our Kids. That's what we're talking about today on Homeward. A very good conversation. You know, by learning how to be truthful with your kids in a gentle way, parents can help their kids become well-adjusted, honest adults. And that's really what we're talking about today. And what I'm doing with Chuck is just kind of throwing out some of these outrageous lies that really, I didn't think were very outrageous until I started reading his book. Chuck, as we were talking through, you know, we've kind of worked through, you're killing me. I mean, you can be anything you want to be. I've said that. It's the thought that counts. I've at least thought that if I haven't said it, but I probably have said it. Now, there's one that I'm not sure I've said, but is so popular. And I know that George Barna, out of your book, George Barna was quoted. And, and so the 82% of us basically believe this. I mean, is it true that it's a lie? God helps those who help themselves. I mean, that seems like that's probably more true than false. Hey, here's the crazy part. It's not only true that 82% of us believe it, but 82% of us believe it's in Scripture. Yeah, interesting. We actually think it's in the pages between Genesis and Revelation. And when you say, where, where is that? Oh, I, I don't know. It's in there somewhere. I, I know it's in there. It sounds good. And, and basically the thought is that God does not reward those who have their feet up on the desk in, in, with laziness, hoping and believing that he's going to deliver the goods. And there's an element of truth to that. Um, you know, Scripture talks about the ants and, and how diligent and persevering the ants are. And so to have a work ethic... Uh, similar to the ants who work hard to accomplish what they accomplish. However, for those people who say God helps those who help themselves, here's the problem. God's personality and his behavior is, is contra- contradictory to that statement because God has a tendency to actually help those who can't help themselves. That when your back is against the wall, when, when the Israelites had their, their toes in the water of the Red Sea, God shows up. They can't help themselves. Daniel can't help himself. Others who say, listen, what am I going to do? Modern-day people who are saying, listen, God, uh, unless you show up, um, the business is lost. My marriage is lost. My son or my daughter is going to die in the hospital. I need you to show up. And what I find out is that God has a tendency to show up, especially when we can't help ourselves. That's not to excuse laziness. But it is to say, when my absolute back is against the wall, God does show up and perform miracles and help me get through tough times. And that is a a great reminder to teach our kids. At the same time, we have to teach our kids to refrain from asking God to do for them what they're perfectly capable of doing themselves. Right. And, And therein lies the truth of the statement, which is why we say it. Oh, honey, now, you know, God helps those who help themselves, so you've got to go do the work. Again, element of truth. We have to be diligent. We have to be focused. We have to be purposeful. We have to be persevering and so on. But if you take that to its extreme, it's not true because he does have a habit of helping those who can't help themselves. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, my daughter, Christy, was not a good softball player. She played one year, and, you know, I played baseball and thought, well, she's going to be the incredible um, athlete. And basically, she's a writer and has so many other gifts, but she was not a, a very good softball player. She would be the first to admit it. And I can remember saying to her after her uh, 12th strikeout, after about 
I think, 12 <laughs> times up, frankly. Um, put my arm around her. And I said, you know, honey, it really doesn't matter whether you win or lose. Mm. And then you would say that I just lied to her. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're well-intentioned. Sure. And all of us parents are well-intentioned. And what we want to say is, honey, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you played the game. Right. Again, element of truth is how you play the game always matters more than, than the score. Uh, learning how to compete, learning how to persevere, learning how to endure, learning how to be a good teammate, learning how to help those around you, and so on and so forth. However, I, something I discovered a long time ago, there's a scoreboard for a reason. And if the score didn't matter, then why is there a scoreboard? And there is in sports, there is in school, there is in work, somebody's keeping score. And if the score really didn't matter, Dad, then why are we over here on this side crying? And why is the team in the dugout over there all jumping up and down having a great time if the score doesn't matter? And if the score doesn't matter, then how come you tell me that I need good grades to get into college? And if the score didn't matter, then why did you tell me that I had to do great on my entrance exams for graduate school in order to become what I wanted to become, if the score doesn't matter? And if the score doesn't matter, then why would my boss come to me and say, look at your sales, they're down? Score does matter. And what I think we need to tell our kids is how you play the game always matters more. But the score does matter because somebody's keeping score, and you find out very quickly if you do well, you move on. And if you don't do well, you move over. And I want to be part of the group that moves on. What's fascinating is in your truth, you and I agree with that so much, but in the truth you're saying, hey, winning doesn't equal worth. Because in our society, we almost take it to another point where we say, look, at winning equals worth. Yeah. And yet you're saying the value lies in who you are, not with what you do. And that's a tough one to kind of get that message to our kids. Always. Winning does not equal worth. And in, in the culture that we live in, everybody avoids having failure stamped on their forehead. And that is the, that is the ultimate embarrassment. In fact, how many people refuse to play the game for fear of being a failure, for fear of losing? So winning doesn't equal worth. However, um, winning does matter. And I need to be aware that even Scripture talks about, hey, does, does, everybody puts on their running shoes to run the race, but you've got to run the race to win it. Everybody runs, but one person wins. Run the race to win it. There's nothing wrong with that. But also remember that winning doesn't equal your worth and that how you play the game always matters to everybody, including God. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, and actually, it's really about character building, and, it's, and sure. kids need to hear that as we build character in, into their life. Let me give you another phrase. Tell me if it's true or false. Life is fair. <laughs> Do I need to tell you? No, it's not fair. Life isn't fair. And this is one of those where our kids usually tell us, that's not fair. Right. Hey, that, Johnny got a bigger piece of pizza than I did. That's not fair. Were you in my home last night? Is that, yeah. oh, it wasn't really? Johnny, but you know, yeah. we have a middle child who thinks that life isn't always fair for her. Yeah. And what do we do? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let me cut that again. Let, <laughs> let me fix that for you. And, uh, you know, Mary got more ice cream on her cone. Okay, let, let me just add a little bit more for you because I want to tell you that life is fair. Now, I'm not the anti-fair guy yeah. and wanting to make sure that everybody is treated unfairly, but I need to know, people need to know this. If life were truly fair, then tell me why 26,000 people across the world died of starvation last night. That's not fair. They grew up on the wrong side of the world. That's not fair. If life were truly fair, then, then tell me why I went to bed with a full stomach. Because life isn't fair. It's not fair. 
And frankly, Jim, we've got to ask ourselves the question, do we really want life to be, to be fair? Because if life were really fair, every time you lied, you got caught. Every time you sped, you got a speeding ticket. Every time you back-talked the boss, the boss would know about it. Um, we've got to ask, here in America, when over, over the course of the world, only 8% of the population has a car in their driveway. Here in America, if life were truly fair, only 8% of us would have cars. So you gotta, before you write your congressman or complain to God that life's not fair, you've got to ask, do you really want life to be fair? And you need to be aware that life isn't always fair, but God can give me the ability to deal with the unfair times when I have to live with it and to speak up when I need to speak up about it. Boy, that's great input. It's actually great input for us as adults and also the input we want to give our kids. Our time is running out. I've got to ask you to come back so we can keep on talking. This is such a great conversation. Can you come back next time? Love to, Jim. Okay, and that concludes part one of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with Chuck Borsellino here on the Homeward Broadcast. Chuck is the author of the book Pinocchio Parenting, which is a book that Jim highly recommends. Uh, We've been talking about this theme, outrageous lies we tell our kids. Kids want authenticity. They place a very, very high premium on that. And that's the whole theme of what we're talking about on today's program and tomorrow's as well. If you're not podcasting with us already, go to Homeward.com, go to the radio broadcast tabs, follow the prompts. That way you can start your free podcast subscription as well. Chuck Borsellino has been my guest today on Homeward. We've been talking about outrageous lies we tell our kids, and I now realize that I am one who has done this. Uh, We really don't mean to hurt our kids by bending the truth every now and then, but the fact is your kids need authentic love from you. They don't need you to sugarcoat the reality that they might be facing. I mean, they're able to face just about anything as long as they know they can count on their parents' to be authentic with them about what's happening, and then to face it with them. And again, we don't have to be so blunt that it blows them away, but it seems to me that oftentimes we do find ourselves in trouble and we sugarcoat probably way too much. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. I love this story. When Dick and Judy Hoyt brought their son Rick home from the hospital, they were told to take him straight to an institution. And what happened was, during birth, Rick was strangled by his umbilical cord, and it resulted in irreparable brain damage. But the Hoyts weren't buying it. And when Rick was 11, they took him to the engineering department at Tufts University and asked if there was anything to help the boy communicate. Well, no way, Dick was told by the people. There's nothing going on in his brain, is what they said. Well, tell him a joke, his father said, and they did. And then Ricky laughed. Turns out a lot was going on in his brain. Well, rigged with a computer that allowed him to control the cursor by touching a switch with the side of his head, Rick was finally able to communicate. Most incredible story. After a high school classmate was paralyzed and organized a charity run for him, Ricky pecked out, Dad, I want to do that. Well, obviously, he was confined to a wheelchair. Now, you have to understand this. Dick Hoyt, the dad, used to call himself kind of a porker because he was out of shape, but he tried to run anyway. And he even said, then it was me who was handicapped. And he kind of laughed. He said, I was sore for two weeks. But they entered a local 5K, his disabled son and himself. And that day changed Ricky's life. Daddy typed, when we were running, I felt that I wasn't disabled anymore. Is that an incredible statement? Since then, Dick Hoyt has pushed his disabled son, Rick, in 85 marathons. You heard me right. Eight times, he's not only pushed him 26 miles in a wheelchair, he also towed him 2.4 miles in a dinghy while swimming and pedaled 112 miles in a seat on the handlebars all in the same day. 
Well, by the way, did I mention that before he started the triathlon training, Dick Hoyt couldn't even swim? Imagine what would have happened in both of their lives if Dick had let his lack of experience or his unwillingness to try anything new hold him back. Well, no one would have blamed Dick Hoyt if he had given up on his son, but because the Hoyts were willing to acknowledge Rick's condition for what it was and then show Rick the kind of unconditional, authentic love every child needs, his parents now get to experience this awesome feeling that they see Rick with this huge smile as he runs, swims, and rides together with his dad. And that's why I want to encourage you as a parent to show outrageous, authentic love to your kids. And now here's Roger with some information about a couple of resources you can use to start building an authentic connection with your own kids. Well, Jim, before I mention those, I should encourage our listening audience to go to YouTube and find the Dick and Rick Hoyt story. It's just, it's spectacular. It's so very, very encouraging. Not that we have to go to those great lengths, but sometimes it's going to feel like you're taking those great lengths. Uh, Jim's book, Confident Parenting, is one that we highly recommend because so many parents are going through a season right now where it feels like they have no confidence in their parenting abilities whatsoever. How can you be authentic if you're not confident in your skills, right? Confident Parenting from Dr. Jim Burns is available for purchase in our online resource center. And when you do order that book directly from us, a portion of the proceeds goes to supporting the ministry of Homeward, and we truly appreciate that faithful financial support. Go to homeward.com or call 800-397-9725. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.